0: We've been in this series called Believe the Hype. Believe the Hype. This is actually the 13th message in this Believe the Hype series. It was never intended to go that long. Uh, There's just so much in the scriptures that we can talk about that there's a lot of hype in our culture about. And it's been so good to just walk through these different messages and download them into my heart. I, I, I don't know about you, but for me, this has been a profitable summer series uh, to really dig deep into the word Believe the Hype. So uh, uh, today is actually going to be the final message in our Believe the Hype series. Unless well, Maybe we'll, we'll do it again sometime and do Believe the Hype part two. There's definitely enough um, to hit. Uh, and so I'm excited about today and uh, talking about this subject, Believe the Hype, because the subject that I'm going to preach on this morning, I think there's a lot of hype about it in the Bible, but I think there's a lot of hype about it in our culture as well. And I thought it'd be appropriate based upon what we've walked through uh, the past week to preach a message titled, Believe the Hype About the Next Generation. Believe the hype about the next generation. Y'all can clap for a title if you want. Come on. I'm excited about this message right here. (laughs) Believe the hype about the next generation. I was on I was on Twitter this weekend, and um, which could be good, could be you know not so good depending on who you follow. Amen. That's that's true for life as well. <clears throat> um, and, and I was following this this Twitter account called Bleacher Report. What it is is just a Twitter account that gives updates regarding sports and professional sports and things like that. And I got this little tweet that popped up on my, my page and. It showed this picture. I'm going to flash it on the screen. I'm a basketball guy, so sometimes y'all get basketball illustrations. And it showed this picture right here, and here's what the the tweet said. It just said on the top in all caps, the next generation is coming. And what this shows, it shows Shaq and his son, LeBron and his son, and Dwayne Wade and his son, and now all of them are in high school playing against each other, and it's like blowing everybody's mind, like what's happening? I love the, the phrase at the top of the tweet. It just said, the next generation's coming. If I could have a second title for my message this morning, it would be this, the next generation is coming. The next generation is coming. Some of of y'all are excited about that, clapping about that, like, yeah, amen, I'm tired of this generation. (laughs) Good news, right? The next generation is coming. The question I think that we should be thinking about in the room today, regardless of where you're at on the the age scale, is what are we going to do about it? The, The next generation is coming. Believe the hype about the next generation. Uh, what, are, what does that do for us? What should that do in us for those who would call themselves Christians? What does that mean uh, for us? What does God call us to when it comes to that reality? I want to give you just three points today that would maybe help us think rightly about why we should believe the hype about the next generation. Let me give you the first point. It's really, really simple. I'm, I'm into doing simple, and it doesn't mean it's always easy, but let's just keep it simple. Believe the hype about the next generation, number one, because Jesus does, Amen. right? The first point is because Jesus does. If you'd ask Jesus today, what do you think about the next generation? Jesus thinks highly. Jesus thinks a lot about the next generation. Generation. Jesus is passionate about the next generation. Jesus has a word, come on somebody, for the next generation. He, he really does. He really does. I was drawn my attention to a, a specific text found in the gospel of Mark chapter 10. Mark 10 verses 13 through 16. Let's just go ahead and look at these verses here together. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's go ahead and eat from this word here today. The scripture says that they were bringing children to him. Who's him? Him is Jesus. They were bringing children to Jesus. Who were they? Let's just say that that was us. Come on, right? We don't really know who they were. But shout out to the they, amen? I want to meet they in heaven one day. Like y'all did it right. Y'all did it right. They were bringing children to him that, that he might touch them and the disciples rebuke them everybody say boo boo what's wrong with y'all man the disciples rebuke man the disciples rebuke them don't don't mess with them but when jesus saw it praise yay, right? praise the lord for jesus when he saw it he was indignant and said to them let the children come to me Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying hands on them. Let's pray. Father, we ask you today uh, to, to bless this time. Jesus, we ask you to speak to us here today. God, we ask you to open our hearts here today. And God, we ask you to help us to understand what you believe about the next generation. God, help us to see you more clear today. For those who are their first time at church today, ask God to speak to you. He loves you so much. Just ask God to just tell you something today. Speak something to you today in a refreshing way. In Jesus' name, we believe it. Amen. Amen. When I look at this text, I see a lot of things going on, but I love to just study the person of Jesus I like to just get, get in the nitty-gritty with, with Christ, right? And it says here that they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them and the disciples rebuke them. And, and, and what we see about Jesus' response to the disciples' foolish rebuke, first off, you should never rebuke anything Jesus is doing, right? The disciples clearly missed that one, right? Um, they rebuked them thinking that they knew what, what to do there, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And what happens to me oftentimes when I read a scripture and I'm not quite sure what a word means, which happens to me occasionally, I just go ahead and do something crazy. I know it's profound. I look it up, right? I would encourage you if you come across a word, just go ahead and go to dictionary.com or Webster's Dictionary, whatever you prefer, look the word up. So I did that with indignant because I wanted to make sure I understood how Jesus was feeling. Right? So the word indignant, by definition, we'll pull up a definition that I found. The first one, dictionary.com. It's an adjective. Feeling, come on, isn't it good news that Jesus feels? Yeah. Right? That, that Jesus has feelings. Yeah. Like, so sometimes when you're feeling indignant, he can relate. Yeah. Like, Jesus saw something happen, and Jesus felt something emotionally in his mind and heart and he's telling us about it. Let's, let's talk about what it means to feel indignant. Feeling characterized by or expressing strong displeasure at something considered unjust, offensive, insulting. Has anybody ever felt indignant before? Come on, now, don't be super holy. I've, I've felt indignant before. i felt indignant before. And Jesus felt that way. In this case, what was causing Jesus to feel indignant? In other words, what was causing Jesus displeasure? What was causing Jesus... To be offended. Let me me go ahead and put this this out there. If you want to offend Jesus, hinder children coming to him. Right? It's offensive to Jesus. Jesus is having a moment where he's ministering to the next generation. The disciples hinder that. Jesus is offended. Jesus is saying... What are y'all doing? And then he has this powerful phrase. He says, let the children come to me. He said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. I wonder if our culture today is in a very similar way, hindering children from coming to Jesus. I wonder how many times we sleep in if there's some parents in the room, it hinder a kid from coming to Jesus. I wonder if there's times where we're like, you know what? I don't feel like going to church. Therefore, you're not going to church. And Jesus, I'm just throwing out this, my, is offended. Sometimes Jesus says it's not even about you. It's not about the disciples here. It's not about the the, the uh, people that even brought them here. It's about the the next generation Jesus says no 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 no. let them come to me and so I want to go ahead and screen my heart this morning and say is there anything that I'm doing that is preventing the next generation from coming to Jesus and if there is something that I'm doing that's hindering right it's just hindering a little bit it could be the way I love my wife it could be the way that I talk to my kids. It could be the way that I spend my time throughout the day. Is there anything at all that I'm doing that's hindering them from coming to know Jesus in the most profound, real way? If, that, if there is, got to let that go. Amen? Come on. i got to do something new now. i got to have a new routine. Because Jesus believes the hype about the next generation. Clearly. He's saying, let them come to me. You, you, you might say, hey, look. I don't even want the next generation. Jesus is like, that's fine. Bring them to me. Wow. That's what he says here. Let them come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. He says, you can miss the kingdom of God. Just don't bring anybody else with you. Let them come to me. Truly. You notice when Jesus has to say truly, it's like double true, right? Like he is the truth. That's what he said. But he's like, truly, let me just facts here. I say to you... To us at Walk Church, and to anybody who has ears to hear, he says, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So, so not only should we believe the hype about the next generation family today, I'd say that we should learn from the next generation, <laughs> That that there's something to learn from this crew up front. There's something that we could actually glean and learn from these kids today. I was able to take part in VBS and just kind of contribute here and there and and just, you know, serve at occasionally. And, and a lot of times I just kind of observed because I want to learn. And I don't want to just say, you know, people that have went before me, right, I can learn from. That's absolutely true. And I believe in discipleship and mentorship and growing from others, especially those who are older. I think that that's a principle from the Bible as well. But sometimes I think we can forget that we, we're called to learn from those Of the next generation. And here's one of the things that I learned uh, from the next generation. We we were doing this thing called a closing rally. So at the end of each day, there would be a closing program where all the kids would come together. And then we would challenge them to see if they memorized the the Bible verse, which they shared just a few minutes ago. And then we would ask them some questions throughout the day to see if they were learning from the messages happening in the different classrooms. And if they got one right, uh, we would walk around and give them a little prize or something. I thought it was amazing that we would say, okay, we're going to move into our review questions now. All right, first question, hands up. Uh, What? We didn't even put the question on the screen yet. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, all right, question number one is, hands already up. Then we would ask the question. And sometimes we would go to a student and we'd say, okay, tell us to answer the question. And they'd be like, you know what? I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even got it. But at least I I, I tried. You know what I'm saying? At least I wanted to get in on it, right? At least I wanted to be a part of it. That's something that we can learn from the next generation. I wonder if Jesus is looking for like, who's going to just, Jesus like, hey, who's ready? Me. Me. Call on me. You don't even know what we're asking yet. Just call me. Some of us are, who's ready for the next question? Who knows the answer? Some of y'all know the answer. (laughs) Learn this from the kids. Me. Call on me. If you don't know the answer, just be like, man, I don't even know. But I'm ready though. I want to know it. If I learned it, I would answer it. But at least I'm ready. I'm excited. I love that about kids. Right? Like if, if we would have passed a microphone to each one of those kids that are on the stage, right? We said, okay, here's the first question Define for us depression. They'd be like, you know that one? I don't know that one. <laughs> Define for us stress, right? Like, man, I ain't worried about that. I ain't worried about that. I'm worried about just enjoying this life that God's giving me right now. Get, let's move on to something better, amen? Right? Not, not to devalue those things, not at all. Those things are very real. Not to devalue at all a, a real feelings. Jesus felt indignant here. J- Jesus suffered From different things, especially the night before he went to the cross, the text says that he was sweating drops of blood, right? That he was under such angst, right? He was he was wrestling. There's times when Jesus got angry. We see in the Bible David wrestled with depression. I think that all types of things happen, and there's these really there's these real feelings. But I think some of them are more prone to jump on us when we move away from childlike faith. That's what I'm just at least for me, I get more angry more disturbed, a little bit more quicker and edgy when I move away from childlike faith. Childlike faith says, I don't even know what tomorrow looks like. I just know. I just trust God. I'm just, it's just going to, it's going to be good. It's got to be good. Romans 8, 28, right? Our worship leader, Jason, he just read it in the song, right? It says, what can separate me? Nothing. It's got to be good, right? It's going to be good. I once heard an old preacher named Martin Lloyd-Jones say, Jesus is either going to heal you or he's going to heal you. You get two for two, right? It's either going to be now or it's going to be later, right, in the afterlife. But that's the promise of God for those who know Christ. I think that we can learn something from having this childlike faith. Jesus says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like this, me, I want it, give it to me. Like a child shall not enter it. So I don't know exactly what that means. Whoever does not receive it like a child, you go ahead and figure out what that means. Go serve in our kids' ministry. (laughs) See how the children are receiving it, right? Do that when it comes to Jesus. Be open to him. The reality is that, that none of us are older than Christ, right? Like he looks at you today, even if you're the oldest person in the room, and he still sees you as somebody young. It says, receive the kingdom of God, the activity of God. The kingdom of God, one time I heard somebody define the kingdom of God. His name's Dallas Willard. He defines the kingdom of God with three words, Jesus in action. If you want to know what the kingdom of God is, it's Jesus in action, right? Whoever does not receive Jesus in action like a child will miss it, won't enter it. And then I love what Jesus does. He closes this little sermon right here. Scripture says that he took the kids in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. I love that Jesus is a blesser, amen? He's passionate about bringing blessing. And we see Jesus say, I'm gonna demonstrate what I'm calling you to do. Bring a blessing. Be a blessing to the next generation. I just believe the hype about the next generation. Be a blessing to the next generation. Figure out what that looks like for you how you can be a blessing uh, to the next generation, and I would just commission you to do it. I mean, I'm a little bit more excited about this topic today just because uh, about two weeks ago I preached at a, a sports camp that was middle school and high school. Over 500 student athletes from the Northeast were there, and I'm like, man, this next generation is pumped. Therefore, I need to get pumped, right? And then we just had VBS this week, and... And they were pumped, over 100 kids. And then we were at the Splash Fest yesterday. I got all wet and in the foam and, you know, going down the slide. I'm like, man, I need to do this more. This must be what the kingdom of God feels like, right? Like, we need some more of this. We need to bring that into church. Maybe we should do some motion dances for the worship, you know, just to get us moving a little bit. It's okay. There's freedom in Christ. Make a joyful noise to the Lord to receive him. Uh, with gladness, be a blessing. I was, I was talking to a brother at the Splash Fest yesterday, and he said, man, this thing is awesome. I said, yeah, you you encouraged by it? And he said, man, I love this. He goes, you know what? I love church. And I'm like, you do? And he goes, yeah, but I didn't always love church. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, man, I was a drug baby. And I was like, wow, sorry to hear that. He goes, man, my mom drug me to church every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I I never heard that one. I was like, oh, man. Oh, hello. And you know what he said? But I'm glad she did. Come on. I didn't get it at first. Why are we here again, Mom? Why I got to wake up Sunday? Why do I got to go back in the kids' ministry? He goes, I didn't catch it back then. But, man, I'm glad she did because I was training me. It was preparing me that, you know what, now today I'm doing that with my, like, I believe the hype about the next generation. I believe the hype about the gospel of Jesus that God is able to, come on church, man, let's go. (laughs) Believe it because Jesus believes it. Go ahead and just make the call. Be a leader. Be be a leader. I, I pulled a couple of these books out. This book helped me um, this year, I read this book. I, I tend to just offer smaller books because they're, they're more easy for me to read, at least. It's just called Praying Circles Around Your Children. Uh, we're going to have them at the merch booth. We're going to sell them for $5. If you don't got five, just say, hey, you know what? I'll try to get it at some point, and we'll still give you the book. It's not about the money. We want to bless you, right? Um, and so pick up one of these. It's just a simple read on how, how you can pray circles around your children. Um, Praying the gospel around your children, praying God's power and promises around your children. And that those prayers, those things are going to turn into reality if you continue to just lift your children up to God. You say, man, I don't even know how to bring my children to God. Bring them to God through prayer. Just bring them to God through prayer. Your children may be gone. May be doing all types of mess. May not even be here yet. You're like, man, well, I don't even, I'm not even married. Start praying for your children now. Yes, yes. Let me go ahead and move on to my second point. I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit more uh, about that. And that's, that's that God works through young people. Believe the hype about the next generation because God works through young people. If you were to do just a casual read through the Bible from Genesis to the last book, Revelation, you'll see a God who identifies young people and says, I'm going to move through them, right? Jeremiah chapter one, verse four through eight, we see this prophet Jeremiah who was, who was a legend in the Bible. It says that in, in chapter one, verse four, it says that God called Jeremiah in the womb. I wonder if he had a praying mom or praying dad. It says that before he even came out, God already had a calling on his life. He must use young people. That's about as young as it can get, right? God says, hey, look, I, I, I've already identified calling on Jeremiah. I'm going to use him to do great things. I'm going to use him to be a preacher of the word of God. I'm going to use him to be a faithful man of God, to point people back to Jesus. Maybe that's a prophetic word for my brother Jeremiah right here. Come on, receive that, family. Right? God's saying, hey, look, I'm doing this. Whether anybody likes it or not, I'm doing it in this young man's life. We see a similar call on John the Baptist. In the book of 1 Samuel, we see this, this, this priest named Samuel arise. He grew up in the house of the Lord, right? And it says, in his boyhood, right? Many believe that Samuel was either 12 to 13 years old. God had not visited the people with a word for many years. The people were sinful. People had turned away from God. God had said, you know what? Y'all got it. Go ahead and do it on your own until one day God says, you know what? I'm going to speak a word to Samuel. God says, you know what, Samuel, and Samuel wakes up in the middle of the night, man, you got to read it. Just read the first three to four chapters of 1 Samuel. Be a treat for you. Samuel's like, yo, mom, I promise you someone's calling my name. She's like, go back to bed. He goes back to bed. God's right there in the bed, right? God says, hey, Samuel, back, yo, I'm hearing voices or something. And finally they said, oh, the Lord's visiting us. And he chose to give it to you. Come on. God says, yo, I got a word for young people. Amen. It says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in his young age. How about Joseph? God says, all right, I'm going to save my Israel people, my, my generation. I'm going to save them, and, and here's how I'm going to do it. And he gives the game plan to Joseph in a dream, this, this young boy. He was the youngest of all his brothers. Like, maybe God would have given it to the most experienced brother, the strongest brother, the wisest brother, Instead, he picks young Joseph. Joseph has this dream about what's going to happen, right? The end of the book of Genesis, Genesis 40 through 50, right? We see Joseph have, have this dream. That didn't come to pass for years later, but you notice God's he's working through young people, right? I see this in, in, in Josiah's life, King Josiah. Do you guys know how old Josiah was when he became king of Israel? Anybody want to shout it out? want to try anybody want to try come on be like a kid right I don't know Josiah was eight and Josiah became king comma he was eight years old I love that verse but but the next verse is powerful too it says that in Josiah reigned as king for 31 years that had to be wild like hey King Josiah here's your apple juice (laughs) right (laughs) that was good um The the scripture tells us uh, The Bible's fascinating You should really read this book You you can You can read it It says that when Josiah was 16 He brought reform into the culture Right A 16 year old started tearing down All the idolatrous Baal worships The Asherah poles All the sexual sin that was happening in the culture 16 year old Josiah was just shutting it down Right young, Young kid Said hey look If y'all not going to put your trust in the Lord, he goes, I'm going to, and this is how things are going to go. God says, I'll appoint a youngster to do that. He's got that kingdom childlike faith. One of my favorites, King David, right? King David is somebody who we see in the text who was a young boy. The scripture says that it was in his youth, so whatever you want to categorize that, that God chose to anoint him as king. Right, so Samuel says, okay, we need a new king. And God says, okay, grab one of Jesse's sons. I love that right there because I did a study on Jesse because I was like, ooh, I wonder why he picked Jesse because this could be a good point to talk about. We know nothing about Jesse. That's the first time you hear about Jesse. The point is, it wasn't about Jesse. It was about his son. Maybe that's a point for you today. Maybe you lived your whole life and you just blown it. You've totally missed the mark on what I'm talking about here today. Good news is maybe that can actually happen through your child. We know nothing about Jesse. We didn't need to know about Jesse. We just needed to know he had a son that was faithful to God. His name was David. He was a shepherd boy from Bethlehem. And God says, I'm going to choose him to be king. And David was really just a picture of an even better shepherd boy who would come from Bethlehem, who would be the king of kings right, and save us. His name's Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about Jesus for a second, right? Many commentators and scholars believe Mary, Jesus' earthly mother, was 14 years old when she was visited by the angel Gabriel. Merry Christmas, right? It's Christmas time. Gabriel shows up. 14-year-old girl. Hey, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Right? And she's She's betrothed. She's engaged to a young man named Joseph, right? God's not impressed with us. He's not impressed with people that have degrees and all types of stuff. Not that we take anything away from those things. All I'm saying is if you read the book, the people that God uses most are not the people who have ability. It's people that have availability that say, I'm ready to be used by you, God. Just put me in the game. My answer is yes. Whatever you say, it's yes. I think that God chose Mary because he knew that she would say yes. Uh, Rick Warren, he's a pastor in California, He just says, the most dangerous person for the kingdom of God is somebody who says, use me. Right. It's not about ability. It's about, am I available for the, God, for the God of the universe to use me? Because he can do it. He can use me, right? If you can just deny yourself and follow Jesus, he'll use you. The greatest example is the disciples, amen? amen. Those knuckleheads, They give me hope, right? Many believe that the disciples were young teenagers. At most, they were in their early 20s when Jesus called them to follow him. So I want to encourage you, believe the hype about the next generation, one, because Jesus does, and two, because he tends to work through young people. The apostle Paul would come to know the Lord Jesus in in his older age. And then he would start discipling a young man named Timothy. Timothy would be the next church planter that would come out of the Apostle Paul's churches. And here's what Paul writes to Timothy in in chapter 4, verse 12 of his letter to his disciple. Come on, will y'all say it with me? Ready? One, two, three. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Some of you will ask, well, how can we call our kids' ministry the 412? What's the purpose of that name, the 412? It really is just a biblical name. We just got it from this verse because we want to raise up uh, the next generation of those who don't let anybody look down on them because they're young, but instead they set the example. Paul said, look, Timothy, don't let anybody throw shade at you because you're young. Go ahead and set the example yourself. Set the example in your speech. Set the example by your faith. Set the example in your life, your conduct. Set, set, set the example in your purity. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? right? Paul said, hey, set the example to, to some of my youth in the room here today, right? Set the example for us. Help us to look at your life, and say, you know what, I got to get my stuff together. I'm grateful for our Thursday night youth ministry, our youth leader, George, who, yeah, come on, we can clap for that. Yeah, we got some youth here in the front row. Our walk youth is growing. There's some really cool stuff happening in our youth ministry. And I remember somebody, a, a church planter told me, Early on, I mean, our church is a little over three years old, but a church planner once said, hey, Hayden, you guys don't need youth ministry, man. Like, do that way later. You got other stuff to focus on. I said, bro, we need youth ministry more than anything, fam. The heck? We need youth ministry bad, yo. We got to raise up the next generation. We need to raise up the next generation now, right? We do. That's that's a calling on our lives. It's a calling on our lives. I would encourage you to believe the hype about the next gen. Let me go ahead and move into the third point. We're almost done here today. Uh, The third point is simply this. It's our calling. It's our calling, y'all. You can avoid it. You can put your headphones on, but God is still calling the generation today to raise up the next generation. It's always been the heart of the Father. It's always been a calling on our lives. Everyone's called to raise up. Everyone's called to train up everyone's called to impart something into the next generation right you you even see that picture I posted right of LeBron and Shaq and those guys those guys are saying hey look my window's closing some of them it's already closed right Dwayne Wade he finished his last year of professional basketball it's over I mean he's like man it's over I gotta raise up my son (laughs) right Right? it's what it takes y'all and, and, and really what they're saying is, man, that's a biblical principle. That was a round way before any of them. You look at the Deuteronomy law, right? In, in the book of Deuteronomy, we see this intact. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, right? In the beginning, when God first imparts the law, he says it like this. He says, only be on your guard. That's a word for somebody, be on guard. Diligently watch yourselves. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror so that you don't forget the things that your eyes have seen and so that they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. It's a calling, isn't it? I love some families in the room that I talked to that were serving at the Summer Splash Fest. Some said, hey, you know what? We never even had children, but these are our children. That's why I'm here. Go up the slide. Come down from the slide. I'll be serving in the kids' ministry, right? I I got children in the Lord. I'm raising them up, right? Whatever that looks like for you. If you got children, if you got grandchildren, you have a mandate on your life to teach them, to teach them the word of God, to teach them what you saw God do in your life. I mean, older people, we all love telling stories, and every year the story gets better, right? Like I was joking with Pastor Tom, right? Like there's like 102, but next year we're like, there's 117 last year. Like where the heck a number come from, right? We love just enhancing the story, but but hopefully we won't do that. We wanna we wanna teach integrity, amen. Yeah. But but listen, um, but listen, we're, we're called to teach. We're called to raise up the next generation. A couple chapters later in Deuteronomy chapter six, God's at it again. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everybody say, All your heart. All your your soul. All your your might. might. Right? That's a challenge in itself, right there. God says, I want all of you. I want all of you. Then he continues and he says, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, we should have families that are just filled, right, with the presence of God, that it's not awkward or weird to talk about the things of God. And you know what? The best place to start doing that is to just start, right? Like childlike faith. I loved how some of the parents were coming up to me this week and said, man, my kids came home. They were teaching me the song. The kids are doing it. And I want to salute all the parents that brought their kids to VBS. That's a way to do it. Yeah, 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 amen. Yeah. It's a way to do it. Hey, guess what? You're going to VBS. What's it mean? I don't know, but you're going. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Something about vacation, all right? Because you're going. (laughs) Deceiving about you're going on vacation. Come on. (laughs) Bible school, right? (laughs) Hey, look. It's a calling. It's a calling on our lives. Let me give you one more verse, and then we'll, we'll close with prayer. Right, David recognized this. The psalmist recognized this. Final verse, Psalm 78, uh, verses 1 through 8. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8 says it like this. Let's just go ahead and look at these verses. The psalmist says, give ear, walk church. It means listen up. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from there. Come on, next verse. Children, but tell to the coming generation. Y'all see it's a calling. Yeah. Don't hide what God's done in your life. God may be showing you in this moment things that he's done in your life. All the things he's done to get you here. God has did like a million, a million miracles to get you to this moment. Don't hide it. Talk about it. Tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a a, a law in Israel, which to command our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation, right, it's a calling, might know them. If the next generation fails, it's our fault. Y'all know that, right? Like 10, 15, 20 years, if you're like, man, this next generation, geez. You're just blaming yourself. That they might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, right? A stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God, right? The psalmist here over 2,000 years ago was saying, hey, look, don't be like me. Let me go ahead and do a better job. Let me raise up the next generation in a way where they really get it and really make a difference. And the word of God and the works of God are heavy on their heart. Amen? It's a calling on our lives. We should believe it and we should We should walk in it. Let's pray.